1: Hello and welcome to the Media Podcast. I'm Ollie Mann. On today's show, Katz does Countdown. Ian Katz leaving Newsnight to take on the top job at Channel 4, whilst former controller Jay Hunt announces she's off to work for Apple. With careers spanning print to TV to online, what do these appointments say about the way the media is changing? Also on the programme, as the Weinstein scandal moves to Westminster, we look at how UK newsrooms are attempting to drain the swamp. Plus, we crunch all the numbers, from Bake Off to the latest Rage via The Guardian's big reveal on voluntary donations. And in the Media Quiz, I get all Kirsty and Phil on your ass. It's all to come on today's media podcast. And joining us today is the deputy editor of Metro.co.uk. It's Alex Hudson. Alex, welcome back to the show. Good morning. Morning for us, of course, here in our little delightful booth. But for people listening, we like to imagine them with a champagne, (laughs) preferably in a dinner suit, maybe midnight.
2: People in the media do not drink champagne anymore. We just cry into our little glasses of whiskey and just hope that the media industry will get out fine. Uh, what have you been up to recently? Um, we have been incredibly busy. Subtle, very subtle plug that we're now the fastest growing news site in the UK. Congratulations. So we're up nearly 100% year on year. Which fastest growing. That's, that's impressive. Where
1: are you in the rankings though?
2: We are now fourth, fifth. Okay, uh, because the ABCs are now really interesting because The Guardian and The Telegraph have taken themselves out of them, so no one has any idea anymore about exactly where they stand in the standings. So Mail Line are obviously the biggest, then The Guardian, then The Independent and The Sun, and we're fifth.
1: You can bash The Independent and in The Sun. Easy, Come back easy. when you've taken The Independent. <laughs> uh, and also joining us, it's media podcast veteran Maggie Brown. Hello, Maggie. Hello. When's the book out? Next year. Is, uh, is yeah, there a date now?
3: Well, I'm just waiting for a publisher to be appointed I by see. the British Film Institute, and then they're choosing a new one. So hopefully next year. And actually, it wouldn't be ready because there's so much that's happened in... I had to wait for the conclusion of the privatisation uh, debate about Channel Four. About we're channel about, four. Yeah. Yes, my book's about Channel Four the past ten years, and also, of course, now there's the relocation. So there's quite a bit to talk about as well as all the dramatic changes in personnel.
1: Well, funny you should mention that, Maggie. Seamlessly, have linked us into our first story, because Ian Katz has been appointed new director of programmes at Channel 4, replacing Jay Hunt, of course. Uh, he was a rank outsider, tipped only by Broadcast magazine last week, uh, but he has been editor of Newsnight for four years, and before that, Maggie, was deputy editor... At The Guardian, presumably, you met him there,
3: yeah, well, he did a, a variety of jobs. I mean he you know ran almost every bit of it at various points, more of a in a way a features ideas man, I would say than um, a very hard news uh, journalist at the same time he did uh, basically oversee big stories like the WikiLeaks event. I think that the good thing about him is that he does um encourage slightly maverick thoughts uh, he, that was one of his hallmarks at the guardian and most certainly that is one of the aspects of channel 4 that's desperately needed this sort of sense of do it now inspire change and uh, you know make mischief really which was kind of the mantra of a previous um, person running it one mark thompson former director general of the bbc so i think uh, from that point of view it's understandable that they've gone for him but actually the real Situation, if you ask me, is that most of the talent in broadcasting and television that might be of the right age and of the right experience is actually working in the independent sector as producers or executive producers running their companies, and I think that that is actually a factor in an organisation like Channel 4 having to look wider uh, for an inspiring candidate. Because someone wouldn't
1: want to leave a successful indie where they have free reign to go and work for Channel
3: 4? Well, some people of course do, but a lot of people are making money out of the formats and the ideas that they sell. We all know there's an international market in in a range of, of things, not just drama. And secondly, I would say that the fact that they've gone for him shows that they um, didn't find what they what they thought they needed in more conventional uh, candidates which is is interesting it's causing I I was at a TV event last night it's causing enormous furore because people in television really think you know that you have to know about a broad range of of programming and genres and that it doesn't actually it's like I suppose you might say appointing uh, somebody to run a bank who isn't a banker and we've seen reasons to think that's not a good idea. In fact, I can just say one thing. As a historian of Channel 4, this appointment completely plays into my theory of Channel 4, which is that every six or seven years or whenever they have a change of regime, it's really bloody. And there will be a change in commissioners, and there's a sort of fresh start. And it's it's a very crude method of actually almost um, refreshing um, a network that's what it's about and Alex
1: that was the thinking behind bringing Ian Katz into Newsnight as well wasn't it let's let's give it a fresh start Paxman's leaving did he achieve that
2: I think he did I think so I came into contact with him a few times while I was still at the BBC and I think you're right in the fact that he he challenges people to come up with new ideas he didn't stick with the same old Newsnight he didn't stick with the same old ideas and much to his credit he brought in more vibrant, more youthful staff. Um, So, like, Jess, I think she's now deputy editor, Jess Brammer. Neil Breckwell, who's now senior vice president of something or other at Vice News. These are people who are crying out for opportunities at the BBC that the BBC is traditionally very, very bad at. And actually what he's doing there is the kids' company thing was a great piece of work of actually a lot of BBC executives would not allow that amount of time for a story which seemingly at least when you first look at it, it's quite a small story that became this huge, monstrous Parliament-discussed issue, but that took a lot of research and a lot of standing up. He's then partnered with BuzzFeed, which the BBC just would not do five years ago. He's taken risks, and I, I think it is a controversial appointment for Channel 4, but that's what Channel 4 are meant to do. So if you look at what 10 O'Clock Live did at Channel 4, it was meant to be this new boundary-pushing programme that just had the same faces that you recognised from ten years ago doing perhaps not the most outlandish news content.
1: Well, this is it, isn't it, Maggie? That is the most frequent criticism that is levelled at Channel 4 on this programme, is people say even when their ratings are up, it's because they've poked something from the BBC or they've used established talent from elsewhere, and that's not the point of Channel 4. Do you think he can change that?
3: Well, he can't do it on his own, but he can inject this sort of sense of of creative mischief is what I would call it you do have to have some rethinking I mean you have to understand Channel 4 is is not an easy job at this moment in time because their income is down that 50 million or so year on year a gap probably of 100 million in their revenue because the advertising market is so at the moment weak there are I know programs that are not being commissioned that you would expect to be commissioned simply because they're a bit too expensive for their slot. Some of the Christmas programs, for example. So he's he's going what? to what, what hasn't been well. Commissioned I mean, to... <laughs> one one of the things they would they would normally do is they'd they'd have a goggle box of, of the kids, uh, goggle box. And I know that that's not happening for money. They're cutting some of the the budgets for for strands. Not all of them, but there's there's definitely cuts taking place because they had to raid their fund for, um, a sort of contingency fund for programming, partly I think for the Paralympics last year, which I don't think makes them more money, it get, gets a lot of prestige. One of the big problems of Channel 4 is 95% funded by advertising, and that's they don't have anything else really to fall back on apart from their reserves. So it is a, a tough time to come in. doesn't mean that you can't be inventive. And I do think that you've made a lot of good points about his understanding of the fresher, newer media and media stars. I mean, you know, Emma Barnett, for example, was one of the people he was using as a guest presenter on Newsnight. So the only other thing though, about this is that where else was he going to go? Because I think it's interesting to find that he doesn't seem to be going on gardening leave, which while he knew about the secrets, really, of BBC Two's schedule or what was being planned, they would probably insist on a bit of a cooling off period. So that hasn't happened. So he's not, um, how can I put it, causing the BBC a great deal of anguish by leaving for Channel 4.
2: Also, I think that's the changing of the guard at the BBC with James Harding going... Mm. but I also think that Jay Hunt was significantly more senior than, a, than Ian and Katz much more
3: experienced is. in television. Mm. And also, there is, there is a precedent, because um, when uh, Michael Jackson took over um, Channel 4, which was in uh, 97, 98, he actually appointed Tim Gardham as his uh, director of programmes. And Tim, although he'd been at Channel 5 a bit, was basically the editor of Newsnight. And what actually Channel 4 needs... Regardless of who that person is, they have to have somebody who can protect a chief executive who is not necessarily an editorial figure. And this is what Jay Hunt did brilliantly because she'd done all of the news programmes and things like Panorama and Newsnight. So she, she protected... Uh, David Abraham from things which actually bring down a chief executive, big editorial crises, which we saw with the Andy Duncan era. So, or at least he was he was damaged by it, didn't bring him down. So I think that you have to also see his appointment in that in that vein. That who else? Well, they, they do need somebody there, a really strong editorial figure, who can understand when impartiality is, is, is being breached, all that kind of thing.
1: And Maggie, by bringing Jay Hunt's name to the table, you have again seamlessly moved us on to our next topic, because she has gone to Apple to help relaunch yep. their video offering. Yep. Uh, Alex, what state is Apple's video service in at the moment?
2: At the moment, it's not great. Like it's, It doesn't quite... All of the people have imagined so Apple's, same thing as Facebook, same thing as Netflix, in that it will become this broadcaster on a par of Channel 4, if not bigger. And at the moment, it has doesn't really have any original content of anything to note. It doesn't have the House of Cards, it doesn't have the Crown... But it hasn't tried to have those things, has it? It hasn't invested hundreds of millions of Got
1: dollars into new the
3: apps and carpool karaoke. <laughs> oh, yeah, it does have carpool karaoke. Okay, okay that's
1: it's, true.
2: It's about to. Like I was reading about this last night. Like one billion dollars a year video production, mm. and because Apple just has so much money, everyone is rightly frightened that Apple can come in in the same way as Uber did to mini uh, minicabs. It can come in with all of the money, all of the investment capital and just keep going until it... But it's all been disrupted already,
1: down. hasn't it? I mean, there is already Netflix, there is already Amazon Prime. There comes a point where yeah. viewers have had an... I mean, OK, fine, if you get it bundled in free with your iPhone, of course there's an audience for that. But it's not going to be hugely disruptive and millions of people are going to switch, are they?
2: Um, but it's, Netflix is not the biggest company in the world, and I think that's the step change. And as and Apple literally is. And Apple literally is. And as as badly as that U2 release bundled with <laughs> every with every iPhone was taken... That's still got listened to and that's still and what you've got with T V is that somehow if you get a push notification without explicit consent of a new T V show pushed to every iPhone device or every Apple device or every Mac device, that is a scary instant audience of millions. You know, you, you can push BBC three content all you want, you cannot get it directly onto people's devices.
1: And and so you think their thinking is just about retaining people to keep buying their gadgets, basically?
2: Um I think there's that. I think there's the prestige of it. I think the amount of good coverage that netflix has got since house of cards admittedly with the current allegations less so but we'll gloss over those for the moment um house of cards and was i think that was the thing that actually made people take netflix seriously before that it was an aggregator of content that made it a true creator of content and now since there's been lots of programs and maggie what do you think jay hunt can bring to
1: apple
3: Oh, I mean, she is uh, one in a million. I mean, she is a rainmaker. I mean, you don't have to love her or like her, but I mean, she's incredibly effective. She's hugely experienced. She knows the the production sector here. And also, remember, she's been buying stuff in California too when she goes out to the LA screenings. She knows the European setup. And she is ferociously competitive. She's the hardest working executive, probably, that um, most television uh, outfits, I've ever seen. I mean, I remember when she went briefly to Channel 5 from the BBC, you know, I was talking to people there, they gasped, you know, she cycled in, she was there at eight o'clock, she sat at her desk, um, and she ate a sandwich, and she got the schedule working, and turned it all around in about six months. With at Channel 4, she has literally been the monarch, really. I mean, she has run the whole thing. And uh, she is a formidable, and an extremely clever uh, person, She's always ahead of the game. She can always make a good argument for doing things, rightly or wrongly. She'd make a fantastic QC, to be honest. She's her. In some ways, she just is a very, very competitive person. I, this I, is I, about I think, building
1: something from the ground up, though. Oh, I think it doesn't she, exist at the moment, no, Apple Video Europe in any know, meaningful but, way. But, but so it's that, different uh, to coming in and changing it a bit.
3: Uh, well, yes, you could say that. But I wouldn't, um, if, if, if I had to say... Could she cope with that? I would say, yes, she can. Not that she, uh, I, I don't know how she's going to do it or what her plans are, but I, I would be very surprised if she isn't effective in this role because she's done a very, very good job in various aspects of Channel 4, including the relaunch of uh, the Great British Bake Off. I mean, I don't think they should have bought it. It was probably not within their remit, but given that they had it. And another factor, just just think about this. She didn't get the top job at Channel 4. She was passed over as chief executive. But would you know that? I mean, she was able to seize the initiative. She announced she was leaving. I can tell you the staff at Channel 4 went into this meeting thinking she's telling us she's the chief executive. And they then almost had a sort of like a Stockholm syndrome. She was still there. She's had this summer where she's put everything that she can out. I mean, she's gone out as if it's Christmas, you know, stripping the state, doing all sorts of programming it's like kind of making a triumph out of a defeat and so she, she she's going out there totally confident I mean I, I've seen her at the farewell party and I've, I've done a sort of farewell interview with her and um, I don't get the impression she's I mean, she's really looking forward to it. Uh, uh, So, and they've—I think she had a choice of jobs as well.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, is it really that difficult job, though? I mean, it's all very well to say she's going to do well at it. I think I could run Apple Video Europe. Can I? I mean, you've got an unlimited budget. Put your name forward. But is it? But I mean, really? Yes, I saw it was going to
3: (laughs) get to five billion in a few years. The way way we uh, understand it. And this might
1: not be a fair representation of how it works. But when these media companies give interviews, this is how it seems. Mm. You know, Amazon say our data showed that uh, our viewers would like a new series from Woody Allen, so we gave Woody Allen $10 million and he made us something. That's not that difficult to do, is it? If you've got unlimited budget and your data says Steven Spielberg would work well for our audience, (laughs) don't you just go to Steven Spielberg and say, here's $50 million. But you (laughs) then
3: have to get the right people to do it and you have to have quality control. And she also sets very high standards. I mean that's why she has not been the most popular person at Channel 4. She she is not afraid of saying, this isn't what we want.
2: I think that's one version of it. So one version is, we now have data, the fact that all All media companies don't have this good a data, I think says a lot to them. But also, uh, Jay Hunt's complained in the past about being outbid for Black Mirror by Netflix. She now has the biggest budget of any media company to buy in programmes if she can't make them herself. So that means that all of her complaints are in high speed that she's now the person taking things off traditional broadcasters.
1: Now, whilst Westminster is searching its soul over how it deals with sexual harassment claims, past and present... Uh, the UK media industry has been doing likewise. Now, this week, Vice Media ended ties with freelancer Sam Chris after a Facebook message alleging sexual harassment was widely shared. Uh, BBC Five Live reporter George Riley has been suspended following complaints from female staff, and, and many journalists have come forward to share their stories under the Me Too. Hashtag, just like everybody else, Um, Maggie. These stories aside, and despite years of trying to clean up the bullying culture of newsrooms, this seems to still be a problem that's yet to be tackled. Do you think this will now finally happen?
3: If it doesn't happen now, I don't know when it will. To be honest with you, Um, and you know, more widely, it's it isn't just newsrooms. Everybody in television is thinking after Kevin Spacey. What's going to happen now in in the domestic uh, networks over here? It clearly is the case that there are, that there's potential anyway for a lot of other kind of allegations, right, correct or not, to to come out. So people are going to be certainly from this point onwards, they're going to be much more careful, I think. But as for the historic uh, revelations that may still be ready or about to come out then i suspect we're going to see a lot actually
1: in the media industry in particular though there's an informality isn't there there's a casuality and that goes across not just newsrooms as you say maggie but also across all of tv and film
3: it's, it's more than that though isn't it people get into that uh, they're in very intense situations very often i mean you know people lose their tempers mm. uh, you're on deadlines things happen you have to respond really quickly you have to chivvy somebody into doing something you Or you spend all day doing something and you go to the pub and you get drunk because you've literally, or you used to get drunk because you've literally been working on a deadline. So there are very strange pressures in in the news business as such. And it is also the case, there are huge pressures in television production where people often work really long hours and in the editing process. And I'm not saying that excuses some of the bad behaviour and harassment I've seen because it, it shouldn't and it doesn't. But as a woman who's been in a lot of newsrooms in her life, I do think that the kind of pressures people are under sometimes do lead to very little contact with your home. just a general sort of sense that maybe the boundaries get a bit a bit frayed, I think really. but so yeah, I think there's going to be more allegations and quite senior people probably will be will be outed.
1: Now listen up media podders, this episode was recorded at Run VT in the heart of Soho. Thank you, Run VT. They have 15 offline and two online suites, as well as a spectacular bass-like grading theatre to go alongside this here dubbing suite and voiceover booth. Listen to the acoustics in here. They're amazing. But wait, I hear you cry. What can I watch that RunVT have been working on recently? Well, how about Bad Habits Holy Orders, a four part factual series airing on Channel 5 on Thursday nights? Yes, please. Edit your next show at RunVT. Go to runvt.tv now.
0: Planning for your next trip?
1: Time for some news in brief now and Maggie and Alex are still with me. Let's talk about The Guardian and they've come out, Maggie, and they've actually released data on how many people are, what do they call them now, supporters rather than members, aren't they? How many people are supporters of The Guardian? What are the figures?
3: 800,000. I mean, that's what the the, the Achilles heel in this is that quite clearly, how do you run a business on kind of charitable donations? I, I find it quite worrying.
2: I think there is a model there. So they've got 300,000 subscribers paying over £5 a month, and they're saying that now that's ahead of advertising and the revenue that they make. Mm. And I'm not sure if that's a compliment to their audience or a criticism of their advertising policy, but (laughs) what there is there is micropayments are becoming this model of if you like something, you pay. So the amount of journalists, freelance journalists, who are using a website for micropayments who want to pay £5 a month so they don't have to take commissions of just quick turnaround content that they don't care about so they can focus more on big features big news stories breaking lines and you can see there is a model there it just depends on you need to make your journalism good enough so enough people care about it and the guardian seems to be winning it's a little bit invasive on every page just while you're here Hmm. in highlighter and pop-ups occasionally it's not the most subtle but if 300,000 people are paying five pounds a month that's a lot of money.
1: But in the past, Maggie, those 300,000 people would have been the circulation of the paper and they'd be paying £5 a week.
3: More than that. The problem is is simply that if it was a straightforward subscription model, you would be signed up and it would be more clearly cut. You would know roughly and you'd be able to plan ahead and project and you would also have, I assume, key performance ind- indices that would make sure that you kept on renewing those subscriptions which is almost the sort of model for quite a lot of things so i'm concerned whether it's a long-term business model that's all because but but on the other hand if people really want the guardian to survive then that is how the guardian is telling them it will survive so they'll 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 vote presumably with the with their for papers. smaller
2: publishers, I think it's a really good business model. I, d- I think The Guardian has such a gap in be- between the amount of money they're spending, and the amount of money they're making. I don't think. Well, no, I know for a fact this doesn't cover it, so it needs to grow quickly. But for a smaller niche of publisher who's doing just big, big ticket pieces, this mo- this model could work.
1: Grow quickly or shrink faster.
2: I think The Guardian has a lot of staff members. So uh, Katharine Kath has promised to cut staff by a lot. I don't know the exact figure, and so she knows where the problems are it's just a case of it's going to take a there's going to be shrinking pains for want of a better phrase
1: okay more figures being analyzed in the news uh, in the past week or so of course come courtesy of the ray jars the quarterly radio ratings and the headline figure that everyone was reporting was that nick grimshaw was it the lowest radio 1 breakfast show rating ever but actually radio 1's ratings as a whole have gone down and so this becomes a conversation then about Radio 1 and their strategy to say it doesn't matter if you're listening to the radio or not because you're on YouTube. Where do you stand on that one, Alex?
2: Um, The internet, it turns out, is not just a passing fad. And people (laughs) people are really taking to this thing called the World Wide Web. And this thing called social media also not a fad. Mm. And the idea that there's millions of people engaging with Grimmy, the reach of uh, those social posts are huge having it broadcast across different formats is just a sensible thing if you're trying to attract younger audiences this is where younger audiences are it's BBC saying we can't make you come to us let's go to you
1: but it's a brand exercise then not a radio station isn't it I mean I know some of the content innuendo bingo is a bit like radio but I mean most of it is here's Adele doing a performance I mean that's not
2: Radio 1 what was the live lounge? The live lounge was Adele doing performances. Yes. It's just now filmed as well.
1: Right, but if that's all you engage with, rather than the presenters and their personality content and the competitions and the news, sure. it's, it's not Radio 1 anymore, is, is it? It's actually
3: videos, isn't it? I mean, it's video music. And, uh, to be honest, all that's happening at Radio 1, with the Rajars is that they were told, basically, to focus so narrowly on the youth audience, especially the 16 to 24s. So of course, their audience, as measured by Rajas, is going to shrink. They're doing exactly what they've been told to do. So, I mean, don't don't cry for Radio 1 or Nick Grimshaw.
1: How do we feel about Nick Grimshaw, by the way? I mean, because obviously you see a headline like that and the natural conversation is... Actually, I think he's the second longest Radio 1 breakfast show host ever, but nonetheless, the conversation would be, is it time he moved on?
2: I don't think it's time yet. I still think he represents... So, longer theory that I'll try to keep very short, you know, the, the hipster generation of which I am a part and which Grimmy is a part, is coming to an end so I think that's got another really 18 months in it and I think then it'll be time for a step change and I think that's moving more into towards BAME communities, towards urban music and I think that's the obvious logical next step for Radio 1 as one extra which if uh, one of the wards and Radio 1 come closer together but it's not quite yet.
1: Let's talk about the Great British Bake Off Maggie, uh, that came to its end, yeah. uh, well it came to an end, it, it reached its climax, what am I talking about it was so exciting of course to see Sophie win, I was thrilled.
3: Yes,
1: me too. Um <laughs> <laughs> the other night yeah. of course Prue Leith managed to spoil it on Twitter about 12 hours before which is quite entertaining oh,
3: I feel sorry for Prue I, feel so- I know she was in Bhutan though so don't feel too sorry for her. probably the most expensive <laughs> place you can visit on this planet
1: uh, but how did it go for Channel 4 and for the advertisers
3: well it obviously went pretty well I mean it wasn't as big an audience as you would get on BBC One but that's understandable uh, they have certainly um, done far better than perhaps the doubters thought. They've not alienated the, the the core audience. And they got 7.5 overnight, 7.5 million, pretty good. It will bulk up to nine or so. It's not exactly, it's four million or so short of the BBC final last year it's got a a very good um half of 16 to 24s on watching television we're watching it so yeah and they they've i think launched Noel fielding as a kind of i don't know a cuddly comic, which is, I, is quite interesting. I think that
2: that worked was the biggest surprise of all of it actually for me, Alex. Well, he's talked about that himself so at Jay Hunt's leaving party, it's been reported that he was saying, hello everybody you thought everything was going to fail, didn't you? No,
3: he did. It's
2: true. And so there was a laughter apparently from everyone sort of saying yeah, I, I, did, I don't think it would have worked and yet still 9 million people as a consolidated audience is a huge deal. For and, Channel 4, yeah. yeah. And essentially, like Amol Rajan at the BBC reported that the Channel 4 have basically bought a tent they spent all of this million pounds because if you buy a show without the talent, that's all you've done. And much credit to Channel 4 that they've made it work and they've got such a big audience and they still have as many people talking about it.
3: When they bought it, they were only just experiencing the downturn from the Brexit vote, which hit the advertising well, market. Well, actually, so I just... Uh, they managed, they've managed to pull it off.
1: In, on the political climate quite, of Bake Off, yeah. if, if I don't sound too much of a sort of seed's corner here. I'm just interested in that because... As you may have guessed from my sceptical tone when I introduced this item, I sort of don't get it. I mean, it's watchable, but I just don't understand why it's the biggest show on television, never have. Um, And I think it might be something to do with the fact that the economy took a downturn and this is something people can do at home and it's sort of easy and cheap to replicate and it, it tapped into something about diversity like you were saying before, Alex. But doesn't it begin to feel like it's coming to an end, it's reached its peak? How many years is there left in Bake Off being the biggest show on television?
2: I don't know how it still exists and I only watch it for work purposes (laughs) so I know all the names of them. I don't understand... do you want to be, just cook yourself? Just make something nice. <laughs> just have friends round. Have a discussion about something. Don't watch people I'd on you, TV. I
3: tell you something. I I think actually that it was quieter this year, partly because BBC One was running Doctor Foster against it. If you remember, at nine o'clock, so the last fifteen minutes uh, clashed with with this very gripping, uh, emotional roller coaster. Mm. I, I I think it was quieter, and I don't think in a way it will go off the boil for the next two years that Channel 4 have it. But you have to wonder, really, if it's one of those things like, have I got news for you that goes on and on and on and on forever, or whether we're seeing, for example, a decay in X-Factors yeah. ratings and as well. And The Apprentice.
2: I mean, they're all down,
1: aren't
3: not, they? Not strictly come dancing, actually, that's which is true. really interesting. Is, is it a three-year
2: deal with Channel 4? Yes, it is.
3: 75. And
2: that's the interesting thing. If that, When that contract yeah. comes up, who, who wants to bid with Channel 4 for it? That'll be the test. Dr Urtka will spending a lot of money on Channel 5 in a few
1: years' time. Uh, right, there is just time for our media quiz. Oh no. This week it's entitled, for copyright reasons, Location, 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 Location. The bids to house Channel 4 are coming in thick and fast, so what better way to consider the options than to arrange a viewing? I'll show you round three UK destinations. <laughs> the looks on your faces. You tell me where we are, and just for fun, the likelihood that they'll end up snatching Channel 4. It's the best of three, buzzing with your name, so Maggie, you will say
3: what we say
1: And Alex, you will say. Alex. The winner gets Horse Ferry Road. Here is location, 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 location number one. This cosy little city of half a million has good amenities and delightful neighbours, including Icon Films, Plimsoll and Ardman. Oh, Bristol! Buzz in when you know the answer.
3: Maggie, Bristol.
1: Bristol is <coughs> correct. How do you rate Bristol's chances of housing Channel Four?
3: Part of it, if, if not the whole lot, it might get factual because of its, its strong natural history.
1: Because that's where the BBC Natural History stuff is. Yeah, yeah.
3: it might do, it might get something, but it's not really in the north, which is what is wanted.
1: Okay. Here's location, 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 location number two. This dwelling has great transport links close to the proposed HS2.
0: Oh, Birmingham. Bazin, when you know the
1: answer, yes, Maggie.
3: (laughs) I I have to do this because I won't get anything else right. (laughs) Maggie. Yes, Birmingham.
1: Birmingham, yes, uh, is the right answer. Uh, What do you think their chances are?
3: Quite high. They were higher before the election because uh, Nick Timothy, who advised Theresa May, Uh, was a very strong advocate of regenerating Birmingham. Mm. Um, Less lightly now. You don't
1: need to explain what happened you, you included the words advise Theresa May uh, <laughs> here is the final
3: I, I would like it to go to Birmingham but it, it, I don't think it's necessarily all going to go anywhere.
1: Well I say Maggie this is best of three so you've already won and you're showing absolutely no excitement about this whatsoever but uh, anyway this is, back. this is question number three it, it is a bit like you're on a Channel 4 daytime quiz actually they're always very <laughs> muted aren't they uh, here's question number three <laughs> location, 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 location but which is it this northern conurbation is up your street, Alex, has the fastest rate of private sector jobs growth of any UK city and promises to build its own Channel 4 bricks in case you feel homesick. Buzzing when you know oh, the Alex, it, Alex, if it's
2: homesick, then it's Leeds. It
1: is Leeds, yes. Um. They actually seem to be the highest profile of the bids so far. They seem to be putting the most money into it anyway or, or seem to be taking
2: it the most seriously. Um. It should go to Leeds because Leeds needs a bigger media industry but as far as actually whether it will go or not is if you're saying Birmingham is most likely, you know more
3: Well, no, I mean... I, I think that there's a there's a real tension about this because Channel 4 is saying, I think it will do things in the region, spend money and help uh, in, independent producers grow, but not necessarily uh, relocate. So it's up to the government really to decide whether it's going to force them to go.
1: I mean, I'm guessing most of the people in Ferry Road would rather go to Leeds than to Birmingham Leeds or Bristol. Is a good city. Leeds is a great
2: city, isn't it? It's like the third, is it third biggest? It's after Birmingham. It's, it's one of the biggest cities in the country. And oh, no. And that's all you need. Uh, well, that means, Maggie, you are the winner. Be excited
1: Goodness,
3: now. Yes, I am excited. I've never won before. I'm sorry, Alex. <laughs> this is, we're making podcast history here. Uh,
1: that's it for our show today. My thanks to winner Maggie Brown and wow. to Alex Hudson. You can catch up with previous episodes and get new ones as soon as they're released by subscribing for free on our website, themediapodcast.com. And we don't have a big neon banner asking for your support, so I'm just doing it now. Keep us on air all year round by taking out a voluntary subscription. There aren't 300,000 people who have done that yet with us. Uh, just a fiver a month can keep us afloat. Head to themediapodcast.com slash donate and give generously. I'm Olly Mann, the producer Matt Hill, and the Media Podcast is a PPM production. Until next time, bye-bye.